All right, this is Jared again with Lefty's Precision Rifle Podcast. This is episode 15, and I got Mike and Connor Jeter on. Guys, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It's kind of a last-minute deal. You guys are able to, to get on here with me, work it in with your schedule. But you guys wouldn't mind, give me a little uh, background. Who is Mike and Connor Jeter? Well, I'm Mike Jeter, Connor Jeter's dad from Kingsland, Texas here. Uh, 54 years old and haul my kid up and down the road. The uh, Connor's been shooting uh, competitively since July 13, 2019. I'm Connor Jeter, just a 17 year old kid from South Texas who decided to shoot competitively. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys, we just we were just talking about it about it off air, but you guys are guys killing it. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, Mike, if you get to do any shooting biz. It looks like you do a lot of hauling around. I see you at the competitions and you sure. helping Connor out and carrying gear and. Looks like you yeah, definitely sure, got right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chauffeur. Yeah. So is Connor is Connor doing any of the driving or are you doing all the driving? Does he get to cut in and I, I do the bulk of it. Coming back from Tennessee last week, he had to drive in the last hour or so, but I do the bulk of it so he can rest so he can be ready for his day the next day. Yeah. Because most of the time he's going to school and having to his tough classes are first thing in the morning. So Yeah, how's that how's that work on uh on Fridays? Oh well I get out at 12 o'clock because I'm a senior, but I basically go to my main two classes for the day, and then I get signed out, say, at 10 o'clock, and then drive up to his place in here in Kingsland, which is about two and a half hours, and then go from wherever. Dang. Yeah, you guys you guys staying busy. We'll get into some of that, but you guys are shooting almost every weekend. It seems like I'm tracking you on Good social night. media. Yeah. Last so. week, the Texas Precision was our last match for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. You look like you killed it there. So you talked a little bit about it, but he started shooting competitively in 2019, but Mike, how, how long have you been shooting? What do you do for shooting? We were talking off offline. So go a little bit about it on here and just when both of you started shooting and how you started shooting. Uh, well, mainly just hunting, uh, hunted for a long time. Connor started shooting probably a BB gun when we were four, yeah, four somewhere through there. And then uh, bought his first rifle uh, somewhere around seven. Mossberg rifle with the Buckmaster on top. And uh, <laughs> that's what he started with, the 243. Yeah, kind of gradually built up from there. And then uh, he decided he wanted to shoot PRS. And so, of course, we bought all the wrong stuff first and, you know, figured it out. And kind of where we're at now has been a journey for sure. Yeah, I think that's how everybody starts. You start with what you think or this will do or or whatever. I've talked about it on some of my other episodes. I started with a savage. Said, yeah. oh yeah, this will do. And yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't it. But so how'd you how'd you find out about PRS, Connor? How'd you how'd you uh, get interested in that? Honestly, I just kind of found it, I think. And said I wanted to it was getting to a point where we started shooting steel more and we were hunting more and I just wanted to kind of get into custom rifle builds. I was like, I just wanted to start competing at it. I just wanted to be better. And so we found PRS and just kind of ran with it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Your story sounds like basically everybody's I've had on. Start out with a Savage or a Remington or, or something and then buy all the wrong stuff, learn a little bit, learn what you shouldn't have done, and then, then get back into it. Right. I guess the first time we had a custom pre and a wind bag built, custom to us, and we went to the range and hit steel at – 200, 200, 250 yards. 250 yards and thought it was the big deal. 
you know, so just to hear that sound, thought, boy, that's the coolest sound ever. You know? yeah, yeah, you get stoked. I, I took a reloading class when, of uh, Derek Loves, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever shot past 400 yards or so. And we were shooting at 600, 800 yards, and just it blew me away. Like, I was, I was the best shooter out there. There's nobody that could, could top me. Now you go to these competitions, and these guys are just destroying me. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny how far it's progressed. Yeah, yeah. So what do you so talking competition, Connor? What what's your competition setup? What do you what's your whole rifle setup? I have two guns of the exact same now. They both have Foundation MG ones with impact actions. Call is five by twenty fives, both with skimmer four articles. Bartline 28-inch heavy varmint barrels, APA 5-port fat bastard brakes, Hawkins bottom metal. I mean, same exact setup between the two. Paris bipod. What caliber? What caliber are you shooting? Uh, BR, just straight BR. Straight BR? That's what I'm shooting this year. Yeah. Good caliber. Yeah, that's – well, I'm switching up. I'm going Dasher next year now. that I finally got some rounds through this last weekend. I'm wondering if I should have or not, but – I've got all the stuff. So why why did you guys go with the straight BR? Probably the same reason I did, but well, at the beginning of the year I was still shooting a six head Creedmoor. And then whenever I shot Clay's match back in March, with the whole wind and recoil and never shooting conditions like that, we knew it was time for a change to a little bit less recoil. And then for some reason we chose GT. Yeah. And then I ran the GT about March through early August, then about midway through August, and now I'm running the BR just for, just because it's at more accurate and less recoil at the end of the day. Yeah. Did, did you have any issues with the GT or you just switched just because uh, of that, just for that reason? Magazine issues was really the only thing. Yeah, I've heard some people have magazine issues and some people having some pressure issues, maybe some carbon never rings pressure. or. Never pressure, we do, we reload our stuff and Never pressure. Uh, he got. He finally went to the impact tuned uh, magazines. Yeah, and that helped out. That kind of solved that issue. Um, other than that, the GT ran well. I mean, super consistent. Uh, super consistent at at the Missouri uh, at the Vapor Trails. He had a he had a five point four inch group at a thousand. Goodness. Yeah, and that was third out of 100-something shooters. No, it was a five-and-a-half-inch group because the second-place guy shot a 5.4, and then Shane K shot a 3.4. Dang. But still, you know, running five down range is one after the other. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, shoot half MOA at 1,000. I mean, you're – yeah, you're doing something all right. What are you running for uh, projectiles? What are you running for bullets? Uh, Burger 109s. Yeah, yeah, I'm running 105s right now, and we have we have our – our club finale this weekend, I'm going to run my BR with the 109s. And it's like, I'm right at sitting right at like 2,000 rounds on that barrel. And then I'll switch over to the dasher and I'm going with the 109s. Just try and get a little bit more. So what speed are you getting then with BR and 109s? What speed am I getting? Uh, 2860. Yeah. See, that's why I'm going to try and run with the dasher. So I'm going to try and run it slow. I'm running 105s right now at 2,800. I'm just slow and it's super consistent and, right. and super accurate. So I'm just running it slow. And the funny thing is, I have my GT data still on my Kestrel. I haven't changed anything. My GT, my GT data, my BR data matched up the exact same. Really? Were you running the 109s with it as well? Yeah, same. I mean, pretty much same thing. Dang. Yeah. yeah. That's what. I when I first 
I first start, started like eight, 2018, late 2017. And it seemed like everybody was going for speed, like six Creed Moors. I had a six, five Creed Moor when I started, but now it seems like it's going the total opposite now, slow and steady. You know, yeah. Tate talks about it. Jake Vibbert talks about it. They're shooting, you know, top yeah, 2,700. To, yeah, we made, the mis- we made the mistake with the GT. We're running at 3,100. Yeah, but, he's getting it. Yeah, we smoked the barrel too. It didn't take long. Yeah, yeah I bet. To- that barrel actually went down on him at a match. He came back from Wyoming, and it went down to the match down here. At a club and, match, yeah. Yeah, and it went – one shot would be dead center. The other shot, other shot would be over the mountain, you know. So, uh, yeah. When it went, it went. And so that was our time to change. Yeah. So what are you going to do for next year? You going to stick with the BR, you think? The BR. Yeah. I have five barrels as it is in BR. There you go. So yeah, I'm stuck with it for a little bit. <laughs> same here. I, I stocked up. I got one dasher barrel now, but I got two on the way. So same thing. I was debating the dasher BRA, sticking with the BR, but any I think any sort of the small six six variants you're gonna do all right, you know. Right. Yeah. Biggest thing is minimal recoil. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize how big a how big of a deal that was, obviously, until I started started doing a little bit more competing. Right. So where Obviously, you you're a youth shooter, but where I ask this question, just trying to get the listeners in case they don't know who you are. Which, if they're watching NRL or PRS, I don't know how they aren't going to know who Connor Jeter is. But where would you rank yourself on the uh, PRS scale? And I use the PRS scale because that's kind of what everybody knows between amateur, marksman, semi-pro, and pro. Where would you rank yourself at? Pro. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, and usually, I think people are usually downgrading themselves, but yeah, I'd put you at semi-pro to pro because obviously we'll get into some of your, some of your finishes here, but you definitely, what do you, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think that's where he belongs. Uh, top end the semi-pro getting to the pro. I mean, he's sitting 128 right now in the PRS rankings, uh, shooting really consistent uh, since we made the BR change. Since you took yeah. Class. And, and to the JTAC class with, with uh, Clay, Clay Tate and Austin, Justin. Yeah, and since that class, his, his scores took off. Yeah. And we're going back to another one in November. So. Are you? You're going to go back, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. It's worth the money spent. Yeah, see, I've, I'm going to get into that. You probably saw that question, but, yeah. That, and, obviously, I'm in Kansas there in Oklahoma. I need to get down there and, and get to at least one of their classes. Because yeah. It, everybody it, that's taking their class yeah. is just – their scores are shooting up. Like, there's something yeah. going on. Yeah, I went from probably about shooting mid-70s consistently to immediately went, went to, like – High eighties, low nineties. Yeah, yeah. I got I got to get down there for it's worth for it. one of those. What other? We'll we'll go ahead and get into that class or into that question now. What have you done? Any other training with anybody else? Uh, training. Yeah, there's a local guy here named Tom Wynn. I used to go down to his place about once a week when we're I was still pretty new. Only about six months into it, and that I hung around for about two months. And then with this whole COVID thing, and I kind of quit. And I was on my own for quite some time. Yeah. Then Derek so, Webster helped him also, you know, so. Derek Webster and DF Precision, yeah. yeah. A lot of people have contributed along the way here and there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I find with everybody that I, that I talk to, that no one's really done it on their own. Like, there's always somebody helping them out. There's too many small things, too many nuances, too many – variables that those really good guys you know they all have their thing they do well and connor has been to a lot of them 
And like Jay Monish got him first started at Crescent, you know, shooting him up to. Yeah, never shot past 600 yards yeah. in the matter of like three hours. I was hitting 800, 900, and 1,000 consistently in 20 plus wins. So yeah, he's had a lot of lot of help, but good quality people. Uh, and it, it takes a village to get him there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, that's, that's one of the things I like about the whole PRS. It's almost like a lifestyle. Like you're, people are always willing to help you out. And I think we'll, we'll actually get into that when you, at the Southwinds, your gun went down and people were helping you out. We'll get more into that story. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how willing your competition is to help you beat them if you're better than them. Right. So what, uh, get in some more of these, what is the best precision shooting advice that you've been given? So you've taken these classes or just at a competition or whatever, what sticks with you the most? What sticks to me most, I mean, there's a ton of things I've been taught, especially recently over the past couple months, but really just the basic stuff, slow down, watch your impacts, really watch your impacts. That's a huge one. And just stay calm and cool, basically. Yeah, that's, I've been doing, we'll just end up asking you, but that's, that's one thing I've, I've got out this last weekend with a couple of buddies. We went out to Twin Peaks where the South Winds was at. And uh, that was one thing I was trying to concentrate on was after the shot. I think I was always concentrated on just making the shot, trying to hold dead center. I was trying to concentrate on that second after the shot just to right. see, you know, slow down and do that whole follow through piece. And it felt pretty good. I think, I think it'll do all right for me, but, but yeah, I think that's what everybody basically says. It's just slow down. Like you don't need to hurry, make obviously the, old adages that really low impacts are better than than quick misses or whatever so yeah i was no i definitely i was at the point where i couldn't miss fast enough yeah 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 i've, I've been there done that i well i still do it i try and hurry up thinking you know trying to time it or whatever you know it's yeah it's not good i gotta slow myself down yeah so that that leads yeah. me into uh what do you know now that you wish you knew when you had started what could have made something made it quicker for you what could it make quicker? I'd say just equipment-wise, really just the Oki setup, I guess you'd call it. Like I said, foundation, impact, the right action, the right stock, just the right setup in general. And then sticking to about one to, one to two bags, really. Because, again, the thing of, oh, everyone buys a new piece of gear, try this, try that. Instead of just sticking with one thing and just using it. Yeah, start start chasing gear. I've been down that road too. Right. You got to keep it simple. Yeah. Keep everything simple as possible. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I've talked about this with a couple guys too. I got four or five bags out there that haven't come out of the closet since I finally started shooting with basically one bag and just get good with one bag. See, that's what I've done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for the entire gap grind, and that's all I did for both days. I used one bag the entire match. Yeah. What, what are you using for bags? What's your go-to? Uh, we've had Weiss Canvas Mini Force Cookie. Yeah. That's, that sounds like one of the Oki setup, too. A lot, of, a lot of those guys are running those wee bags. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really the only bag that I run. Yeah. Yeah, I run a Smedium. I like my Smedium. I took quite a bit of sand out of it. But, but yeah, the wee bags and, and the Armageddon gear, I don't think you can go wrong with, with any of their gear. Right. So what's the – the best advice you could give to a new shooter getting into precision rifle? Best advice is just go to matches, basically. I mean, same thing I've done. Just go to matches, go shoot and win. 
go basically get your butt kicked a lot. Yeah, yeah. go to the conditions you can. You know. What was that, Mike? Go to the worst conditions you can. Yeah. You know, the wind blowing, wet, rain, cold. Go, go where it's the worst of the worst. When when we started going through the matches on July 13th, we'd be at for back here is Navasota, Crescent, uh, yeah, Pearsall. Crescent, Pearsall, and just go to three a month and just go through it and learn how. All three of them have their own unique winds or whatever you want to call them, stages. And so you kind of get your foundation there and then to really learn to get to the two days because that's where you're going to learn that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what – yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize – I didn't realize it to begin with either that you basically got to pay your dues. You got to spend the yeah. money and you got to pay your dues because you aren't going to just walk out there and, and start being at the top. Right, absolutely. Which I know is funny. I mean, but that is the only way. I mean, that's the way I learned how. I just went to matches, simple as it is. Yeah. So we went through the training piece. What do you do for practice? So you do like right now, my my home range, if I consider it that, is down. So I do a lot of dry firing. Are you out there actually burning barrels? You dry firing? What What are you doing for practice? Quite a bit whenever I first started, but now that I've gotten to the point where I am, I don't dry fire at all. I'll set the rifle down after I shoot a two-day match. I won't pick it up until Wednesday. I'll swab the chamber or whatever, then shoot about 10 rounds on Thursday at about 600 yards, and then go shoot Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you got any time to practice, to tell you the truth, between school and traveling. And, yeah, you guys, you guys are going all over. You just talked about coming back from Tennessee when we were off there. Like, yeah, you guys are all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, but I essentially don't pick up the rifle until about Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. And you just you just checking zero, checking numbers. Yeah, it's on, basically. I don't really I don't even check muzzle velocity. I mean I probably should honestly, but I don't. Yeah, we don't use the magneto speed much anymore. Since the BR and it's so consistent, uh, do very little of that. He'll go check at six hundred or eight hundred or a thousand. And if it's in center and if I'm missing left or right, that's good for me. Yeah. And so, you know, don't sweat the details. The gun's shooting. The ammo's all identical. And uh, it matches up week to week to week. And so just eliminate the variable. Yeah. Yeah. How often are you cleaning your rifle? Uh, I swallow my chamber after every match. The raceways and really just the first inch. But the barrel and the brake, I haven't cleaned it in a thousand rounds. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, yeah. So you're just really you're making sure you don't have any carbon ring or any trash in your chamber, really, and yeah, yeah. just raceways and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I haven't cleaned, I haven't touched anything, basically. But yeah. you see that it is the impact action. You know, runs different. Like when he ran his long peak, it was a totally different ball game. Oh, you have to keep that thing so yeah. clean. You know, and it was just totally different setups. And and when uh, we ran into that at and I guess Clay's in Oklahoma when the, when they had the wind blowing in the back in March and it was real rain and blustery, you know, it got real gritty. And so, you know, you start listening to people that are better than you and, and see what they're doing and you start emulating what they're doing and uh, it works out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. If you, I, I think, didn't you shoot with some of the Oklahoma boys at the uh, Punisher positional? Yeah. Ever since, ever since that match really, I've tried to squad with Clay and, all those boys every single time. Derek I, I Love, mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, I almost can't get, couldn't get rid of me for about <laughs> two and a half months straight. 
every single match that he and I went to, I was in a squad. There you go. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna take someone around, try to be someone's shadow, then you know. But you have the wind calls and everything else, so you know it. Yeah, everything transitions. With that being said, too, he sees it. He sees me going to the classes. He sees me being at every single match, following him around, basically. And he's he's kind of taking me under his wing a little bit, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, they're in a the better guy to be following around, obviously. He, it seems like some of them days he can't miss. Right. You know, like, well, the south winds like, <laughs> dropped, dropped 20 in two days, and that second day was windy. Yeah. Well, the, the Oki showdown was a perfect example, actually. He dropped five on day one and clean day two. Oh, my goodness gracious. I didn't realize that. And he gets to use Cotter for a wind call every now and then. So he'll tell Cotter what to we, hold. We do, we do the same. <laughs> he'll see if it works. Yeah. Well, a good example of that, actually, was the Box Canyon on one stage. Uh, I thought it was going to be two tenths of wind, and he, he was – me and them were going back and forth. He said, no, it's straight up. So I was like, okay, you're right. The first shot – two tenths off the left. I was like, man, if I just yeah. went my, my own original call. Yeah. yeah, he said, go back to your wind call. For the rest. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that's another thing about sh- shooting. Like, you're not, you're not going to learn the wind. You're not going to understand the wind unless you're shooting. Like, there's no practice for that at all other than getting out there and actually doing it. But not calling Clay out at all. He's a great dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna have been where I am now without his help. Yeah, let's let's see what else did I have on here. Uh, we already talked about a bunch of the classes. How many? So let's get into that. how many national matches have you shot? Have you counted them? How you know how many you've shot this year? I've shot fifteen national matches. Dang, you guys are best. So what's the farthest one away? Was that Tennessee? Uh, a tie between Wisconsin or Utah. I've been to Utah twice. Dang, you guys are getting. You guys are definitely getting right. Wisconsin was eighteen and a half, and Utah is around the same thing, 18, 17, 19 even maybe. What What's been your uh, your favorite one for the year? Favorite match, I honestly want to say the positional puncher. Yeah, well, it just because everything was solid, small targets, faster times. You like the movement of the you know, stuff. Yeah. So yeah, and then also fifteen national matches and ten one day matches as well. Man, yeah, you you definitely getting out there and get getting out. Finale will be my yeah. Finale will be twenty sixth. Yeah, and that's at Justin's this this year. So that's not too crazy far for you. No, Justin's is five and a half right here. Yeah, yeah, that'll be it. That's a chip shot for compared to 18 hours. As a, as a dad, though, when you're looking at these matches, the matches we've been to, Connor's five foot eight, and some of those some of those stages are a little too tall for him. And so you go places where, like, Derek loves the same height as Connor, basically. You know, you, you go to figuring that out to where it's uh, – they run very fair matches for all sizes and left-handed or right-handed because Connor shoots left-handed, right? And yeah. so a lot of matches are right-hander friendly and not too lefty friendly. Yeah. You know? And I'm actually right-handed. I shoot left, left-handed, left-eye dominant. So. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I'm about five, eight left-handed. I do a lot of stuff right-handed, left, right. left-eye dominant. I, I play sports left-handed too, but, right. but yeah, it's, I definitely got into some crazy positions being left-handed. Like what in the, 
whoever set this thing up is definitely a right-handed mass right. director because so but it's also yeah. i laugh at too because you also get adapt too I've, I've shot right-handed plenty of times in multiple positions i mean it's saying it, people find a way to win you know yeah just left-handed doesn't mean yeah you can't say my disadvantage sometimes and there are certainly times i am but I wouldn't blame me losing a match because one stage it was quote unquote unfair. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think well, just since I started, and it's more of our club matches, but I think they've actually caught on because we got some lefties other than me that cook like they'll do something on the right hand, but then they'll do the same thing on the left. So even the right, you know, are using non-dominant or or whatever. So, right. but yeah, I think they've come around probably from from what it used to be. But well, because you got a bunch of you know between Austin Orgain and, and Vibbert, like you got a bunch of the top guys that are that are left-handed too, you know. So, so it's getting seen. But what a Mike, we were talking about this earlier off offline. How how do you get him everywhere you need to go and realize how do you get the the schedule together basically? Well, what we did at the beginning of the year, we looked at PRS schedule and NRL schedule. And then we look at our local schedules and we just try to make it all work. I know a lot of stuff got canceled for the COVID stuff. Uh, some of the closer stuff got canceled for the year. And so we just filled it in with the match further away. And then uh, as, his, as his shooting has increased, his, his, uh, as he's moved up the scale a little bit, uh, you start looking for the better matches. And so, uh, like going to Wisconsin, that's a long way to go for us, 18 hours. But it was worth it. You know, he got to shoot Morgan King and Derek Love in that match. And uh, the, the biggest thing about the scheduling is, is that like right now, it's too hard to go to the East Coast and West Coast for the PRS and stuff. So we're basically here to the finals. The NRL is pretty far away right now. So we really don't have nothing to go to. And it's good for him to take a break. Uh, next year, we're going to schedule accordingly. Uh, as, like I say, as the shootings progressed, uh, we're going to probably go to a lot of the same matches. Some of them we won't go back to. We'll also um, be going to some new ones, too. Yeah, it makes in a few new ones. Uh, but the Midwest, you know, is pretty easy for us to get to. I don't mind driving 18 hours to a quality match. Uh, you know, k and 12 hours from right here. We've been there twice this year. Uh, that's good. Uh you know, I don't know about, you know, just see how it all plays out. Uh, but when the schedule comes out, we will map out a schedule for this next year. Yeah. And be into it. You know. So how, here's another question I have that's really starting to show its face now is um, supplies. How are your components looking? Like you got stockpile. I basically stockpiled at the, this year, just getting ready for next year before even I knew COVID was hitting, you know, I've, I've got a bunch of primers, a bunch of bullets, a bunch of, barrels how's it looking for you guys because if you're i've been talking to some folks and if they're looking for powder and stuff right now they're they're out of luck so how how's it looking how's you guys supplies looking? Uh, i stay pretty much on the bargain thing looking we use bargain and i've got a, i've got a good cushion going into next year uh bullets i'm fixing to buy quite a few primers i'm pretty well good on uh his barrels we've got like i said five barrels uh so the consumables, I try to stay on top of it. Uh, you try to buy the year in advance. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhat expensive to do that, but it keeps the continuity there. Uh, and for peace of mind for me, that's not one more thing I'm having to look for. Uh, 
basically with Connor, I always say I'm kind of like the NASCAR crew chief in that I think about all the others. I think about all the logistics, the component, anything to do with that gun. I just want him pulling the trigger. That's all I want him to do. Pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah. See, I, just our own, these couple matches, I, I didn't know it, but I almost felt like that's what you guys are doing. Like you were there, but you're not giving them input. You know, he's, you're doing it all on your own, Connor. And that's, I saw some of the, some of the other youth shooters, not to call anybody out or because it's, it's legal in NRL at least to give yeah. corrections on the clock and give corrections, but Connor's doing it. You're doing all your own thing. Like Mike, you're back there. In fact, I think at the Punisher, I knew it come to box Canyon, but I thought you were a shooter. So I was getting, I was, I was getting ready to give the, uh, the uh, stage description. Like, no, 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 they've got other guys. Because then I realized, you know, who you were and you were with Connor. Right. But yeah, Connor doing, you're doing all your own, yeah, Wind calls I, everything. Match, I got called out for that actually as a respect thing. It's where I don't want I don't want your help basically. I don't want corrections. I don't want anything. I want to do it all on my own. And some ROs came up to me and said they respect me for doing that. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's legit. Like you, there's no one that's going to say that Connor isn't shooting his own match. Is right. The, the Connor prefers the less background noise, less chatter. You know wind calls being made because that might not be right what he's looking at, you know? Yep. Uh, and all I do is just, I'll have something to say here or there, but the biggest thing about that is, and that's the reason why, you know, we have the setup we have is that he can, he can look through that glass while somebody else is shooting and he can make his own decision by watching somebody else. And, and seeing what people are, people are hitting the left side of the plate consistently or people hitting the right side of the plate consistently. And then that helps me formulate my game plan. You know, it's, 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 it's it, it makes him such a better shooter to learn on his own as opposed to have dad back there giving the wrong wind or something like that, that I, my eyes are older and I can't see as good as he can see. And he might be picking on something that I'm not picking. I might be looking at the grass behind or in front of the target and uh, he might be looking at something else, you know. So it's best for me to be quiet. Yeah, yeah. Nothing but nothing but props. You're obviously making awesome yeah, wind right. calls, Biz. Where yeah, you know, we both try and help each other out, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So what do do you do? You're talking about the uh, as a good analogy as far as like the NASCAR crew chief piece. Are you are you loading his rounds for you, or Connor? Are you doing that, or who's doing uh, the reloading? with everything I go to school somewhere else down in my mother's place. So I don't, A, I don't have any access to any of it, but yeah, he does mainly all the loading and everything. Now, whenever I'm up here during the summer, I tend to do the powder and all that's primers and all that. But yeah, I look, I do like the stuff that takes all the calibrating. Like I check, I check the shoulder length of every, all 250 that are going somewhere. I check the, the shoulder bumps. I check everything. The next, I, I double check, check, and it takes me a long time, but it's all the same. Uh, the seating depth and everything, I measure every single one of them to 0.279. Dang. I mean, yeah. the reason being is because if you've ever sat there and had your son not be able to chamber around because something wasn't right, you know, so you take that personally. And I wasn't doing all that, I wasn't checking and rechecking all the time back then. So now, that's what we do and we don't have issues yeah so what is if you don't mind telling what is your reloading process as far as you just got home from a match 
what do you do with that used brass? Like just what are the steps? Well, we have, we are, like right now in the BR, we got once fired brass, two, twice fired brass, and then I'll tumble it just lightly. And then I'll go through the resizing die. And then I've got a century 21st mandrel for the next. And then, and then I'll measure case, case length and then I'll tumble it. And then I'll come back and I'll prime it, load it and seat it. Yeah. And it's how much, it's worth, how much uh, bumper are you running? Two, three thousands? Yes, two thousands. Two thousands, yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess, I think that's the usual. I've heard of some guys doing one because they, they like to feel it a little bit on clothes, but I think everybody's usually around the 2000s piece. What are you doing for a tumbler? You a dry or a wet tumbler? A dry tumbling. You know, and I, I, let it, I generally let, we use corn cob medium. I generally let it tumble for a couple hours. It depends on the brass. You know, lately it's, we haven't been anything bad, just some dust. But, um, you know, I, everything basically gets tumbled twice. And so uh, I think we've got our reloading down now to where we're there. Uh, we're super consistent. I don't know how to do it any more consistent, uh, but we have a process. It takes a while. It takes me probably six hours total to do it all. Yeah. What are you using? What kind of needle are you using? Uh, I, I disposed of one and I'm getting another. Uh-oh. <laughs> on the hand needler. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm moving on to an expensive one. I got very frustrated with the inexpensive one. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've done the same thing. So, but yeah, so you dry, dry tumble. That's basically my same process. I I kneel dirty and then yeah. that way I just have to uh, and I size dirty, clean my clean my sizing die, but then I size dirty just so I have to. I only have to tumble once. Yeah, and I understand that. The uh, what I was doing when I had the less expensive annealer, I'd anneal first, you know, and but I'm in the process of changing that. And when I get the more expensive one, then, uh, you know, everything is, is more money, right? And yeah. It, it, well, never really, it never really stops. You know? Yeah. And that's what I've talked about out here, but once you get set up and you're somewhat consistent, like what do you use for a powder thriller? Uh, FX120. Right. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Same. So yeah, once you get somewhat consistent, then you start paying. So you're spending less time at the bench. No, I if, I'm thinking about another FX120. So. Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah, especially, I mean, six hours, that's six hours away from doing whatever, well, you know. Yeah, that's an evening, you know, or in the morning when I wake up early, I'll go do something. Yeah, but, so, uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're trying, trying to get as accurate as you can and then, and then as fast as you can because, yeah, you're, just, you're spending so much time away from whatever, work or family or right. whatever. So, yeah, it sounds like we have somewhat the same, the same setup. Obviously, now I just need to be able to shoot as good as, as Connor is, and we'll be able to give him some competition because you're definitely smoking it, man. You're tearing it up. So, thank you. Um, I, I said I was going to bring this up. So, at the pun at the Punisher, I only worked the one stage. I was on the mover, the Connex box, and the mover. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Stage where you're going through the window. So I only got I saw everybody, but only once. So at the Box Canyon, though, I did two. I did the tree, and then I did the rocks. Got it. On the other side, <laughs> and so. I wanted to bring this up. You tell me to, to knock it off if you didn't want, if you don't want to talk about it, but there's a reason I'm bringing it up, but you, you went on the box or on the rocks and then a couple stages down, I saw a uh, Beamer and uh, oh, what's his name with the NRL? Uh, Travis. Travis, we're working on your gun. What, what happened? If you don't mind. So, 
it was a brand new trigger tag diamond. Watched you like in my other gun that in my other gun that I had before. I mean, no problems with trigger tag at all. And then this brand new one that I just had, and this is about the 500 round mark. It just stopped. It wouldn't engage. Basically, I closed the bolt. Nothing would happen. So yeah. Then so that, is that what they is that what they were doing? Was switch? Did they switch out a trigger, or they clean that yeah. one out, or? Yeah, the trigger. I mean, the trigger just completely just went out, right then and there. Huh. So and then, yeah, having to fumble with it all, and then Travis didn't have a left hand trigger because he didn't bring his trailer, so we had to take a Timmy Calvin hit or whatever it's called and take the take the lever off and put it on there. And I ran the rest of the match perfectly fine, and that trigger is still in the gun right now. That trigger <laughs> is the same trigger that I've run since then. Yeah, you are going. You are going to switch it back now. Huh? It will be run for the finale too. Yeah. yeah. So when and, that happened. You know, I thought, gosh, his day's over. And Cause, yeah, because he was tight going into the youth deal. There wasn't much separation. I thought, man, the day's over. Kind of heart sank, you know, and I just kind of stood back. And then. But, okay, so we have two different thought processes because I knew, I know somebody had to trigger there. So I was like, okay, I'll just get it replaced and then move on. Well, he's over here like, oh, no, this is going to be all this. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I was down and out. I said, man, just maybe not gave it away, but you know, just left the door open. And yeah. then what makes you really proud, he was having a really good run when that happened. And so the discussion came down to, well, you, you stop his run right there and you just pick him up at the next stage, two stages to go, or you let him reshoot you know, it or just continue where I left off. Yeah. And so the uh, decision was made. So he just went to the next stage and checked to zero, went on and he was a 10th high, 10th low, 10th low. And see the dad thing, so dad gets corrected. On the- <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, he sticks to reloading everything else. Yeah. I know that gun and know what's yeah. happening. Right. That's my that's my deal. But what makes you proud is he – what did you drop on that? So on the next stage, so I was a 10th lower, whatever it was. So I corrected my Kestrel and I corrected on my dope. All right, hold, hold on just a sec. So you're shooting on a stage and it went down in the middle of the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So how many did you drop that stage? Uh, like four or five. Yeah, he was okay. he was really well. He was burning it actually on that stage, you know. All right, so four to five on that stage, and that, so I bring this up because I was sitting there at the rocks, and Travis and Michael Beamer were behind me, just going furious trying to work on somebody's gun, and then I realized it was yours. So four to five on the stage that it goes down, they're working on it, and you get back into it the next stage. So the next stage, like I said, I see that it's a 10th or 10th low, sorry, whatever. But so that I make my correction, my Kestrel. Well, then on the next stage, I only get like a three or four because I'm missing everything at 10th low or 10th high. Basically, what I did to correct was wrong. So then I, I get a four or five on the next stage. And then the final stage, I just go with my, my Kestrel data, the same data I've been running all day, go back to the original. And I ended up almost cleaning it, dropped one. Dang. So you, you drop basically one whole stage between the two. You drop what? Nine, 10 points between the. Yeah. Is, is, uh, yeah. And the nine on the last stage, what one of the youth feel out there. Yeah. yeah. See, I wanted, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I was back there and I was, I'm left-handed and I didn't bring any of my guns. I think I'm going to start doing that RO just so people can, you know, I scope here. I have a diamond trigger tech diamond in mine, you know, oh, just right. to loan stuff out bolts or whatever, but especially for lefties, because yeah, those parts, yeah. People just don't have them laying around. But the reason I bring this up is I'm back there talking to Travis and Mike, 
And that's what Travis is saying. Like, if we don't get this fixed, he's out. Like, he's out. Yeah. So they were back there scrambling. And by that time, another squad had come up. So I had to go back to RO. And so I, but I saw you got back into it. But the piece I, I bring this up is what, how did you get back into it? Like, what was your mental game there? Like, now you got your gun. It's been apart. You talk about it. Everybody talks about taking it apart. You put it back together. Go check your zero because if you don't have it just as tight as it was before. And obviously it did did something or you thought it did something to your zero. Like what's your what's your mental game coming back into it? Like I said, I knew that whenever true went down, I wasn't too worried about it because I knew somebody had one hand. I knew we were able to get it fixed. Now going into the next stage after that, I mean, yeah, I was a little shaken up trying to get caught up. And then, uh, but Travis and Michael were there spotting and saying, hey, take your time, relax. You only got two more stages and you're fine. So then I go on the next stage, drop three or four, and then take a big deep breath, move on to the last stage and almost clean it. So, I mean, yeah. I, wasn't too, I wasn't too shaken up about it equipment-wise, more or less kind of mentally like, oh, no, I'm having to rush now. Not so much equipment issues, not so much – not I trusted my gun the entire way. So, I feel like that's a big thing, too, is just really trusting your equipment. Yeah, that's that's one thing I've brought up on here, and I'd like – you know, you, you hear about uh, professional players. They, they get in even to sports psychologists to try and get them – like the mental game is just as much, if not – more than the physical piece. And I think it's the same with precision rifle, like the mental game. If you have a bad stage, you got to forget about it, but it's extremely hard to forget about it, you know? So I think the mental piece is just as big as, as anything else. I believe, and that's where all this time in the truck going up down the highway, uh, I believe that we talked a lot about the mental side of it. Uh, I believe somewhat his shooting from here on out is between his ears, you know, is from the shoulders up. And he's gotten stronger just like this last weekend. You know, the same type deal. They went in dead even into the last three. He cleaned two out of the last three and dropped one on the last one, you know. Yeah, so explain that. What was this last weekend? Let everybody know. With the PRS Central Regional, Central Regional Finale and then Texas Precision Matches, the Leopold Paul Classic. And so it was, it was like a pro-am and, and the regional finale all in one. And you end up placing. Oh, sorry. And you end up finishing what place? Uh, 14th. Out of what? Out of 120, I think. Man, yeah. So, yeah, I was five points ahead of the girl who was in second place for the juniors. And we were all kind of neck and neck with each other, about 14 down. Then we get to the next stage, 15 down a piece or 16 down. On that, I mean, I was still five points ahead of her the entire time, and then they got to the last few stages, cleaned the last two, dropped one on the last stage, and then she bombed like the last stage. She dropped five on the last one alone. So I ended up winning third place expert for that match and first place junior overall for the simple reason. Man. Yeah, but you off, you know, and I, and I and I take that to his seasoning all year of shooting under pressure with the with the right guys and keeping your mental focus together because it could have easily went the other way, you know, because matches drag a little bit, it's hot and squads are big and there's new shooters, which is nothing wrong with any of that. But it's at the end of Connor's year, it's been a long year. You know, yeah. it's a grind for sure at times. And being able to 
Yeah, kind of what we're focusing on now is those last few stages of every match. You know, like at the grind, uh, he was fourth after day one, so he had 404 guys behind him, you know, which is outstanding. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so you got the bullseye on you. So And that was my first time. That's my first time ever being – Well, I was really trying to break top 20 the past few matches, and it's always been that last kind of stage or two that just dropped me down from mid-20s to 30s or – teens to 20s and so then I ended up dropping eight on day one at the gap grind and I looked at the scores I'm fourth overall tied for third and I'm like wow yeah <laughs> with four with 400 of the some of the best shooters behind me so yeah it was definitely a kind of oh kind of moment like I didn't expect it to be here this fast but I also like being in that spot because now now I've been in that spot now I've been in the top five before now I've, I'm getting more used to the pressure being on me, which I love. So, you know, I, I tell them all the time, you have to be, you have to want to be that guy. You have to want to be by the top to be able to handle that. And you will fail at times. And what you learn from your failure is going to make your success. And so, like, it, I think it paid off in Navasota this last weekend because it's basically the same deal. You know, you got to clean your last three. Uh, he would have cleaned his last one, but he didn't want to listen to his dad. So, <laughs> oh boy, oh here it comes. <laughs> I get this one right now because this podcast will last about another hour and a half. Yeah, so the last stage, Connor was cleaning it, and he gets down to my last shot. Well, let's let's do some background at, at Clay's in Oklahoma, and so we're sitting there, and you know, he had a first shot impact out there, and then he went high, low, high, low, however it was, low, high. And I said, "Man, you're high, you're low, whatever." And he got off. He got off the gun. He said, "No, I wasn't. Ten four, man. Dad'll be quiet. Got it." And uh, so I was calling the impacts there. Now it's on this last stage, and it was he had to move. He had to move three times. It was like three, four, and three on the last the last move. And the sun, everything was just you could just follow trace so pretty. Yeah, and uh, the sun was covering the target. <laughs> where I couldn't see where yeah, I was heading. So he was dead center. Three quarter left. That very last one just went off the left edge, and I said, "He said I missed it." I said, "Yeah, you're off left edge." See, why did you say something? I said, well, "Man, your dad doesn't know anything, so <laughs> you know, yeah. you, don't, you don't want any comments, you know." So yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get you. You're talking about having the uh, target on your back, but Mike, we were talking when we were off. You, you had, uh, you had said you had rodeoed. Uh-huh. beforehand so how how do you think the two are similar i, I think and I, very similar. I think they're very similar because to get better you have to get on the road and that's basically i've taken the same philosophy to him and i take i basically translating my what i learned over time and putting it to him and kind of like i said when this started i said either either he's going to learn to really shoot or he's going to quit i'm going to find out you know if you want to go the one days, that's awesome. Uh, and you need to understand that. If you're going to get better, you've got to go the two days. you got to, you got to compete against the best to be the best. And so I've, been, I've put that in the shooting schedule. And, yeah, we've been a ton, a ton of miles, a lot of, a lot of hard times, a lot of peaks, a lot of valleys, uh, a lot of victories, you know. Uh, it's all come together the last yeah. couple months. In the past three months, I have won eight trophies. Yeah, I was gonna say you've been you've been killed. I'm sure there are some of those long road trips are probably pretty quiet, but then the, 
other ones I'm sure you I mean you gotta be pumped on some of those coming home. Right. You know, but I also think of it like then you think of the next match, you know. Right. Cause I never really think, yeah, it's like I have all these people coming out to me and saying, Hey man, great job at this match, great job here, you've been killing it. Yeah, I'm like, Well, I still got the finale I shoot too. I still gotta compete against Allison Dane. I still gotta compete against maybe even Jake Millard too. You know, kid all of us who can shoot at a pretty good high level right now. So so and what I always say is is don't let your last stage become your next bad stage. You know, leave it, you know, kind of the 15 minute rule. You you understand what went wrong, then leave it there. Yeah. And when we get in the truck, we talk about some of those things, then you just leave it there. You you focus on the solution and not the problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you you talked, Connor, you had talked about having the target on your back. Like that's if you want to be good, that's good. Like Clay, everybody loves Clay. Clay's a nice guy, but he's got to know that he has a target on his back. Like everybody wants to be Clay. That's got to be everybody's goal to right. be Clay because you want to be the best and you're going to have to beat him if you're going to try and try and yeah. win, try and win any of these right. deals. So. Well, I said it was, I mean, it's definitely a really cool feeling to see my name up there, you know, after back in just think a little over a year and a half ago or even less than that, I was shooting, I shot 11 at my very first match. I came dead last at club match. Yeah, 11, 11 shots total out of like 62 <laughs> possible or 70 whatever possible. So yeah. Yeah, and see, that's that's part of the mental piece there. If you're going to come back from that, like, you probably were stoked that you hit, some, you know, how many of those. But still, now to look back, you're like, holy cow, did I really only hit – you, know, I was you, like, you have to try. You have to try and hit 11. <laughs> like, I said, man, I could do that with a slingshot. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's, about it, but he's paid the price. He's paid his dues. And yeah. still, you know, so. Yeah. See, I've talked to somebody like Mike Beamer. He's one of the other great shooters I've had on here so far. And I'm, this is episode 15, so I haven't had a whole ton of them. But Mike Beamer comes on. He talks about his first time, his first match he shot with an AR and, you know, hit like in the teens. And he was so mad and then went, they went off to the side and shot some more. And then that's what got him hooked. He said, if he just shot that match, he probably would have quit, but they got off to the side, realized what he was doing wrong and whatever. Now, I mean, now he's finishing in the top 10 in some national matches and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's all that you can't, I don't think you can't be weak and shoot PR. Like if your Uh, ego or just whatever, like you're going to get beat up. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a huge mental game. I think it's huge mental. And yeah. that's, that's what I see, not calling anybody out at all, but just seeing it at these regional matches, you know, you see the guys who are winning all first place here and there, but then once they go to a national match, they're all, they're all in the mid fifties, thirties, forties. They don't do as well, you know, because I think the mental game's not there. Yeah. You know, what do you do? What do you do when all the big fish are there? That That's what matters. When, when you're the big fish in the small pond, well, it's, it's easy, but when you're the, just another shooter, you know, and against the best of the nation yeah, on for two know. days consistently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Especially stringing two good days together. Like that's, that's nothing to sneeze at, you know, that's no, it takes a lot. And he, you know, he's learning that he's gotten a lot better at it, you know, but it's just a process that you have to deal with. And, and we've all done it. We've all puked it up when it mattered, you know, and, and you got to do that and use that to make it to the next match, you know, and build on that. So, and that's the process he's going through and we look forward to going to the next one. You know? Yeah. 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 I always, always look at because I, I think I heard, I think it was clay. I heard talking about 
he wins the box can. He only drops 20 for two days. But then he's talking about some of the shots that he missed and how it upset him. Like, right. oh, he obviously yeah. only missed two out of two or 20 out of 200, but he's focused on the ones he missed and wants to get better. Right. Yeah, and and so that's exactly area. right. But I mean, at some point in time, you also got to, you also got to say, you know what? I did good. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be your own best friend too. Yeah. 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 If, you, if you're only going to go, you know, focus on the negatives and it's going to be real hard and you probably aren't going to stick around for real long. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, though, it's, no, it's right though. It's same thing with Clay. Uh, there's a few stages in my head that have been burned into my head for the past month almost. Yeah. Like, why did you miss? Like, but like I said next match, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Bounce back. So what? Uh, getting into some of the gear questions. What are some of the essentials? Like, you have a new shooter that talks to you, or a somewhat new shooter. What are some of the essentials you're going to tell them? Obviously, you're going to tell them to come out. We've talked about that. Just come out and shoot. You got to come out and get beat up, get shoot. But what are some of the essentials you're going to tell them to, that they need to bring or? They could they could borrow from other people. Gear wise, I mean, I've seen a lot of bad things. I've seen a lot of good things. And some people, I know, some people just can't come out here with their with the best possible setup or bag or whatever. But yeah, I just say really kind of stick to one bag. Just choose like a fortune cookie or armor gang gear or whatever it is. Just stick to one bag and just try and learn with it. Just try and learn with it on every every position. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're gonna be wobbly and stuff like that's gonna happen. And the biggest thing that I say, seeing from a smaller frame guy, is you know start with one of the sixes. You know, the the six and a half was great because we didn't reload. But for but know. yeah, even even if I had to restart all over again, I would probably go six three more. Right. Just because ammo is widely available, a lot of people have it, a lot of people know it, and. And also nowadays they're going to be become the production rifles, you know, the cheaper starting out. I mean, there's ways to start out in the same that are better than others. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've told a couple of people. And then they, they get upset with me when they can't find it because they're buying factory ammo and they can't find the, the Hornady match or whatever. But I'm, I tell them like, listen, I started with the six, five Creedmoor and it, it did me no just like, it didn't help me at all. Just and then they understand once they started shooting a couple matches, the ones that, I, you know, they're shooting RPRs. So it's a, a decent gun, but it's on the, on the cheaper side. They're shooting a Hornady match ammo, but coming, come the end, it's going to pay dividends for them, you know? Well, there's also yeah. a certain point too, to once you get to a certain level too, you can actually win with anything. Right. I mean, Justin Watts is a perfect example of that. He won, he won the position, the puncher positional with a six degree more and a but Hornady match ammo, you know? Yeah, yeah, he loves his Creedmoor. He loves his six Creedmoor. Yeah. But I, I feel like we've made every possible mistake you can make in this process. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think we've made every mistake you can make. You know? Yeah, well, and but look at you now. You know, you learn, you learn from. Obviously, is it a mistake or is it an educational? Yeah, yeah. Mistake. However, that needs to be phrased. And generally, everyone's mistakes cost quite a few dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It is what it is. It's been enjoyable though. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you focus on the good of it and you focus on the memories. And I'll say this for Connor, the connections he's made around the United States that he would never meet these people any other way uh, is becoming an invaluable tool. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of connections, the amount of great people I've met is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So my next one's what, what gear do you bring to a match? And this one actually, probably hits home for you like 
right now when I go and I've just been to one day's club matches, like I was just taking my rifle and ammo and that stuff. Well, now I got an extra bolt that I throw in because I was, I was at a one day with a buddy and his actually his firing pin broke. Yeah, and sure. another guy with us actually had a, the exact same bolt for an impact. So yeah. he gave oh, me, so what are you carrying now? Obviously you got a trigger go down. Like, is there any extra gear that you're carrying with you? Um, speaking of the box gaining match, that was like the one week that my other rifle that I have wasn't, it was getting set up at the time. It was getting that. Oh, no. And so that was like the one week we didn't have it. So yeah, I mean, and same thing with, I asked John Cal. John Cal usually brings an extra left-handed gun and he didn't bring one that time. And then even with you, like not bringing your rifle or something, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect storm, it sounds like. We're going to yeah, make, we're exactly to make right. something work, yeah. you know, for left, left-handed. left Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, now, I mean, I always take my two two match rifles with me. I have the two – I always carry both bolts with me, though, just for mental aspect, just knowing that if well, – I, I know impact ain't going to go down, but just having it on there helps. Um, just basic stuff, I mean – Actually, we carry a bunch of stuff in that truck. But that when we go, we've got boxes in the back. We've got the whole back seat filled up with stuff. And uh, if it happens, generally we can work our way out of it. You know. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I like to have. Is right now I just carry. I, well, I was just carrying, like I said, just just my gun and ammo, and that was it. But yeah, back in the truck, it might be a run, but I'm going to have extra stuff, especially when I this next year I want to start doing some two days. And yeah, I'm going to have my spare rifle is going to be in the truck, and it. It might be a jaunt or a jog to get to it or whatever, but I'm yeah, going I'm to have everything I need. Just. Carry all kinds of tools, you know, any, yeah. anything, anything that it takes related to that gun we've got. Yeah. And then plus, like we just said, building connections. So I built all these connections. Now people know me. Also starting to win now. So now they know me, know my name. And so, hey, Connor, do you need help with this or that? So I always know that, at, especially at a national match, that, if anything goes wrong, there's a pretty good chance I'm gonna get helped in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Oh, what's the uh, the latest piece of precision rifle gear that you bought that you're excited to use? Like, have you have you are you trying anything new? I just got the new tater tot bag from WeBad. Yeah, I've seen that on I've seen it on social media. I had what's the difference with uh, what you're using now? Uh, it's it's like a medium size. It's a size up from the mini uh, Weiss canvas bag, the pork cookie. And it weighs, I think, about two to three pounds heavier, which is around 11 to 12, where the mini is about eight to nine. Uh, to me, I mean, I used it a little bit. It's a, it's definitely situational in my opinion, but I haven't, I haven't worked I haven't worked with it enough yet to actually form a really good opinion on it. Cause uh, like I said, I'm so used to that mini Weiss canvas bag and how it forms and how it does everything. So I'm really biased towards that one bag. But I mean, it's it's solid rear bag, that's for sure. It's a lot, that's the one issue I see with that mini Weiss canvas bag, that sometimes you can't get high enough in the rear for prone sometimes, or weird positions or weird terrain, it just doesn't work out. Whereas that bigger bag, it's tall enough to where it usually just sits right there and it's solid and it's not going anywhere. But I'm still working on it with the positional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of all the times to change, probably now isn't the best time to be changing your right. gear. You know. Which, which, yeah, I kind of regret doing that a little bit this weekend, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, he yeah. did it in the middle of the match or the start of the match, or he's going to use his new tater tot and figure it out. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, and that's you don't get much. You aren't getting the practice in. So yeah. I mean, yeah. what else would you try? You know. 
Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely say for all positional stuff, I'm sticking that mini wax canvas bag. Yeah. It's also so broken at this point and everything else. And I have another one in the truck talking about stuff that you carry. I carry an extra same bag. Because you did have the one tear. In I did have the tear. Yeah. I did have one tear on me in, uh, at the Hornady Pierce in Utah. Oh, did you? Dang. I didn't, I didn't even think about carrying an extra bag. Like, you are putting everything up, and it was the final stage of the day, and we were putting everything up in the truck, and all of a sudden it just ripped. Dang, I didn't think about that. But but you got Dan. You got, you got the pack mule. You can put well, a backpack on his back. Actually, I went with a buddy of mine, uh, Derek, Webster. Derek Webster, and he didn't come with me. That was the only match he hasn't been to. So. Oh, no. Yeah. And look at the score, too. Yeah. The score is not pretty. Yeah. Uh-oh. So, yeah. yeah, so we're going to, I'm going to carry, I'm going to carry those binos, that tripod. And if he's man enough to throw that 10, 12 pound bag, you, you know what? You can wag that thing around. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy the background. I, I enjoy being in the, in, in the, you know, I don't, I just enjoy being in the back and anything. We talk about those bags. We talk about his equipment a lot, Yeah, you know, because I see him when I, when I'm on glass, I'm hearing him with his bolt and, you know, I'll look down in between shots and look at his position. And if I see anything kind of off or different, I'll say, well, was it the bag or was it you, or was it just, just awkward? And, you know, then that's when the equipment comes up, you know? I am thinking about though, calling David Weiss and Weebad, especially since I just got officially sponsored by Weebad themselves. So thanks to them. We're getting a uh, larger rear bag with a light fill that weighs about two pounds, so I can actually carry it around because I don't really feel like carrying around two 10-pound bags. Yeah, you got 20 pounds worth of two bags. That, that'll start wearing on you. Man, I ain't carrying it. It's so just, you know. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a bigger light fill bag for prone and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good call. Because, yeah, like I said, I only use that one bag, and I use it. It's the medium, so it's a little smaller, bigger than the – than the little one that I had, but yeah, there's there's sometimes you just can't get tall enough on it, you know. Yeah, but at places like KM where everything's you're shooting if you're shooting prone, you're shooting off concrete or flat surfaces or tires. I mean, like I said the entire two day two day match at Gap Grind, I used that was the only bag that I used. I mean, same thing for a lot of matches though, too. I, that's the only bag that I carry on me. If anything, yeah. I'll borrow somebody else's bigger rear bag I've done before. But my main bag is that. We've had many vice canvas bag. Yeah. The uh, one other thing I wanted to carry that or cover the, the gap grind. So you got how late of a notice did you get for the gap grind that your team, uh, you were going to be the pro shooter in your team? Like, how did that come about? Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday before we left. Tuesday oh, my God. Which yeah. definitely surprised me. We knew it was coming. We, I mean, whenever I was, whenever I was told I was classed as AM to begin, I was like, well – that might cause some controversy. That might raise a few eyebrows because I knew it was coming. Yeah. I mean, have you shot the gap grind before? Had you shot it last year? No. Yeah, but I'd emailed Julie and I'd kept an email chain going, you know, saying, hey, the scores are improving. Uh, you know, let me know how you can compete. And then, then she said, yeah, you know, here's your situation. You can go this way, you can go that way. And I said, well, he can just go to the pro. You know, we'll, we'll just go that route. And couldn't have asked for a better am in yeah. Jody yeah. Weigel out of Georgia. Super guy, shot really well. Yeah, a guy yeah. who I'd never met until Friday. Yeah. Was my amateur for two days straight. 
Yeah. See, that, that's one. That was one that was on my list for this year, and then all this COVID stuff. And I'm in the military, and they kind of told me where I can and can't go. So I didn't. I didn't think I'd be able to go there. So I didn't make it. But yeah, is that is the gap grind? It looks like just an awesome match. Is it one that you're going to hit again? Uh, probably not. I'll go to the college match there in May again. At K&M. Because it's smaller, faster. I mean, it's literally in the name, grind. Yeah, gap it grind. Is a grind. It is a grind for 400 shooters, especially amateurs who don't know what they're exactly doing. So they're not always ready right away. Whereas yeah. you can squad with like us, Clay, Quinn Rogers, we're always on the clock. We're always ready next one up, speeding things up. But it's, the grind is good. It, it has its place. So he might go back. We'll see. I might, yeah. But, you know, once again, you're the hunted right now. And so, you know, you got to go with the, you know, you got to go, you know, like a lot of guys shoot with their wives and stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's a good one to go to. Uh, I think it's, I think it's worth it. Um, you just have to, you have to be mentally prepared for that long Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine that. I don't know what their set is setup is. I've seen it on on Facebook. It looks like it's a nice setup, but yeah, you you start shoving four hundred folks in there. No, it's, it's uh, man, it's there's uh, just it's just stacked. Yeah, but it is it is honestly cool to see four hundred people all in one facility. Yeah, and they run it really well. I mean, it's yeah. really Shane well. K, George Gardner, and the entire staff, Julie K. I mean, they yeah. run a phenomenal match. Yeah, it's ran really well. Corner people, it is run extremely, extremely well. So I was getting right to the end of my question. You got any shout outs you'd like to mention? Sponsors you want to shout out? People you want to shout out? I'll tag them on Facebook so they'll they'll, they'll get the props. Amy, John Caltruitt, Foundation Socks, Tape, Impact Actions, DI Precision, Derek Webster, Derek, David Lott. I mean, there's a lot of others. Andy Hawkins at Hawkins Precision. List goes on and on pretty much. Farland Barrels, American Precision Brakes, APA. Um, any others? Uh, you got Weebad. Yeah, Weebad. Tate. Yeah, Tate. Yeah. Amy and John Cal. Amy and John Cal are exceptional people. Yeah, I've had them. I've talked about that. I actually just got a foundation, but yeah, at the Box Canyon, they're out there and roll up with their grill and they're just fixing food for everybody. Like, yeah, yeah. there couldn't be a nicer team or family oh it was funny at the gap grind because amy's been at the most of the matches i've been i've won top junior at and so obviously i'm wearing the shirts and everything i built that connection and it was funny because all right so then they told me to get off basically and amy was still taking pictures and shane k was like we get it amy just because you use foundation doesn't mean it's too yeah yeah she 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 makes her rounds and gets pictures of the folks with foundation, which is cool too and she posts She'll post them up on their page. Everybody's shooting a foundation. She she will find them and get pictures of them. She was one of the first people to come up to Connor. We were sitting at a we were at Oki Showdown. She says, "Here, you need to wear my stuff." You know, the throw foundation cap and shirt. Yeah, and then Tate's doing the same thing. You know, so they they've been really good, uh, super knowledgeable. Uh, I mean, it also helps you whenever you, they, their products just work. The action just worked. The foundation, I mean, I can't think of a better stock. The yeah, feel. Yeah, I've only had mine for, well, a couple of weeks, but I just shot it this last weekend. I I don't know how long, went this long without it. It's, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, right. Because I went from my MPA to foundation. I just. Yeah, same here. Exact exact same setup. MPA, in fact, the, the dasher barrel that I'm breaking in, it's in an MPA right now. 
that's how I was breaking in out there. But my BRs in that foundation, man, it's it's slick. Like as I talked about it before, that I thought you know this whole it soaks up recoil and this and that. It's a a ploy. Like no, it, it literally there's something going on with the micarta, whatever. That yeah, it it was solid, and it it's pretty it slick. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, it just works. You two yeah. exact same setups, two yeah. MG ones, two impact actons. I mean, I literally have the same exact gun twice. Yeah, no. yeah. See, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. I got those other dasher barrels on the way, but might yeah. end up selling an MPA for to yeah. hook up the and foundation. That's what I do. I just sell. I just sell whatever Connor's phasing out of. I just, I just sell it. Yeah. You never recoup your cost. You, you might be selling it for half or two thirds of your cost, but you just, you know, you just put it to the next thing. Yeah. 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 Just trying to recycle the, the money like you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So anything, anything you'd like to add, anything we, we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure you hit anything that. Nothing in particular. I think we covered a lot of it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good info. I it's definitely going to be a good episode. Uh, Mike, anything that, that you wanted to cover I, I, again? Or? Appreciate you contacting Connor to have him on. Yeah. You it's, know, it's, great. it's a big deal. Great opportunity. Yeah. yeah no, I, man, I, you're definitely one of the one of the best guests, one of the the highest profile guys that I've had on. So I really appreciate you saying yes to it. I kind of hit you out of the blue with it, and like we were talking about off off uh, recording, that I should have hit you guys up at the at the Box Canyon just to introduce myself or whatever. So I really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, and spending the time with me. It's taking up some of your time, you know, but I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, it's funny just hearing that how I'm the one of the top profile shooters, you know, you know, because. Never thought you're in you're in two months ago. I never thought I would ever hear that. Man, through all the tears coming down miles. that boy's face, and he wanted to quit when that barrel went down. Oh yeah, mid July. He just I got his rear end hit to him, and it was a bad deal. And I said, "Well, take a deep breath and give it a day or two, You know. Yeah. You know, get back at it. You know. If that's I'll be honest. I wanted to quit about mid July. <laughs> yeah. Right then there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The perseverance. Yeah, and like you said, like look at you know look at it now. That's if there's anybody that's feeling the same way right now, it's like, yeah, you know, either change it up or just keep at it because your luck's going to change, you know, some, somewhere, something's going on that you can change or, or just your mental stat, like we were talking about your mental state, it's going to get better. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's all hard work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all those miles. It, it is truly a grind, if you will, you know, it's truly mentally, I know it's mentally taxi on him, but that's, what's going to make you. And if, if you're not willing to make that dedication and sacrifice, uh, it's just not going to work. You yeah. know? And, you know, it's how it's like I ask him all, all the time, how bad do you want it? You know, yeah. We, yeah. how bad it, do you want it? This is, this, is the, this is the most I've talked about on the, on an episode about the mental piece of it. But I think just like anything else, like nothing, anything that's free is just free. Like it's, you know, we're working for it. It's, it's not going to mean as much to you and everything else, you know? So, so yeah, I'm glad you guys bring that up because yeah, the mental piece is just, it's huge. Yeah. And you know, now, now we're trying to clean up those one or two stages of two day and that that's going to get him up there. And it's, it's a mental thing. It's not a shooting. He shoots fine. You know, it's not that it's the mental side of it. And that's, that's, that's what he's working on. You know, I mean, geez, he's 17 and just kind of been gotten to that point and, you know, when you're mm-hmm. shooting down in the mid pack, well, nobody cares about your mental state. <laughs> nobody, you know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, you know, yep. 
yep. you know, and, and you don't, you don't, you don't know that failure, not necessarily failure, but you don't know the, the setback of it and try to regroup and, you know, take the two steps, one, you know, you know, two steps forward, one step back type deal. But, you know, it's, it is a journey and, and there is, a, you know, the four to five year window maybe in that deal. And, uh, you know, don't, don't have a regret, you know, lay it all out there every day and I mean, don't regret it. You know? Definitely next year or two, because I'm still considered junior next year. So I'm still in the running for that, but my main focus now is definitely, I'm going to be running the AG series next year. There you Just go. Yeah. It's a pure experience thing because that takes your mental state to another level. You know, you know, is he going to win them? No, I mean, probably not, you Maybe. know, but he'll have a chance like everybody else. But yeah. the point is, is, is your mental focus goes off from, it, it takes you to another mental state. And so the next year, you know, you, you've already been there and done that. It's not anything new. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's all for me about building him mentally and getting him to a mental state where he expects to win. You know, uh, he expects big things of himself. And it prepares you mentally one step at a time. Uh, but it's all up to him. You know, he's the one that's got to want to do it and pull the trigger. And he's the one that has to focus on everything one shot at a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like I said, I'm definitely, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love winning top junior, but I am really next year pushing for top fives. Yeah. All next year. Age yeah. All right. I, what he wants, you know. Yeah. So, if, you, if you come back on, I want, I want to call dibs to have you. I'll be the first podcast to have you back on when you take the podium at a two-day match <laughs> and beat all the adults if you're labeled as a junior or not. But I want to call yeah. dibs on that. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on here sometime. So, guys, if you guys don't have anything else, we'll, we'll go ahead and get off here. But I really appreciate it. Again, thanks again. Right, you, guys, you guys hooking me up with, with all this. Yeah. We'll see you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, fellas. Bye.